0: Hi, this is episode number 16 of Highlighting the Best of Youth Sports, brought to you by Numbers Don't Lie Productions. In this interview, we had Spiker Helms, who is the National Director for the Rawlings Tigers Baseball and Softball Club and co-founder of Tournament Guy. We've been a huge fan of the Rawlings Tigers and their youth baseball development programs for a long time. And when we came across Spiker's online presentation titled Create a Professional Baseball Recruiting Video in Under $35, we had to have him on the show. And wow, he didn't disappoint. You're going to love the value he provided on recruitment videos, branding and marketing for athletes, and much more. Before we get into this episode, be sure to subscribe so new episodes will be sent to you automatically. And please help us reach more people by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And remember, if you'd like to learn more about the services offered by Numbers Don't Lie and how we can help you highlight your athlete's special skills, be sure to visit numbersdontlie.biz. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to highlighting the best of youth sports, where we bring you insights from top athletes, their sports journey, and those positively impacting the youth sports community. If you're ready like we are, let's go. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to highlighting the best of youth sports. And we're super excited today to have Spiker Helms of the Rawlings Tigers. We have been uh, longtime fans of the Rawling Tigers. We've been following what they're doing uh, with club baseball and travel baseball. And we're uh, super excited to talk to Spiker today uh, about videos and recruitment videos specifically. But he's also got some other uh, things regarding social media uh, that we'll probably touch on as well. So, uh, Spiker, I want to welcome you uh, to highlighting the best of you sports. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Doing great, PJ. Thanks for having me on.
0: So, Spiker, why don't you tell us a bit about your background in sports, uh, baseball, and, and also your role with the Rawlings Tigers?
1: Yeah, definitely. I want to spend a lot of time on me. I know that when people listen to podcasts, they want to get that value. So, I'm going to do a brief, a brief uh, intro, and then let's just jump straight into it. Because, again, uh, it's all about the value that these people are listening to, and I want to make sure that I'm delivering. So, a um, little backstory, um, I actually uh, was an economics major, thought I was going to go into the financial world. Um, was at Missouri State, played at a pretty high level, and then went to pro ball, and then I started going into the finance world, and I was like, this is not me. Um, nothing wrong with people who are in finance. It just was not my cup of tea. I still study it. I'm a huge advocate of learning about finance, but I just couldn't see myself doing that every single day. And then um, Aaron Jaworski, who is the owner of the Tigers, he brought me on, and I was actually cleaning floors. For, I was a college graduate, cleaning floors, um, just grinding it out, and he um, ended up giving me a full-time job, started doing instructions, and then after that, uh, we just started building the Tiger program, and now we're um, national. So we have um, a lot of people under, uh, under the Tiger's brand. We're across the country. Um, we have locations from California all the way to Tampa and, and uh, Florida.
0: and and how long has the Rawlings Tigers been in existence did uh, Aaron start start this
1: so Aaron started the Tigers in 2010 so the idea came up in 2010 Um, he actually was uh, one of one of the most successful facilities in St. Louis um, and had a lot of pro guys future pro guys training out of that facility and he just started seeing things change and he ended up creating the Rawlings Tigers it's actually it was actually funny it's it was his son's team that he started with.
0: So just for our audience, the Rawlings Tigers organization has how many teams now?
1: We have 150.
0: 150 in 10 years. And to compare it, I, I, I guess, a big picture view, it's almost like a franchise where uh, different Rawlings Tigers organizations can can be established in different areas throughout the country correct
1: yeah it's an affiliation agreement um amongst uh, coaches and the directors so we have different two types of um two types of categories of people can come in and become a tigers team we have directors who can own their own area um which then they they bring in coaches themselves and then teach those kids um, teach those players and then we have non-territory which are coaches who are just individual teams who want to be associated with brand and want to want our training material, um, our online training material.
0: And I, I know you don't want to spend a lot of time on your background, but I, I want to touch on one thing just to, so our audience understands the, the authority that you have as far as talking about recruitment videos that we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, with, your role, with your role with the Rawlings Tigers, can you tell our audience a bit about your network and relationship with baseball scouts, recruiter, recruiters, and college coaches?
1: We, our, our bread and butter is our high school program, which is here in St. Louis. We have a number of other high school programs across the country. Um, but more specifically, that's where a lot of our ideas stem from. And um, we always go to the ABCA this year, uh, at ABCA every year. And if no one knows what the ABCA is, it's literally the convention for baseball coaches. And so um, our idea is when we go in there is try to figure out where the trends are going and what college coaches um, are looking into and what they value so that we can then um, tell our players and our parents um, where their focus needs to be for their recruiting season um, and their recruiting years.
0: Okay. And typically for baseball, what are the recruiting years?
1: Oh gosh. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a loaded question because <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's changed dramatically. Um, in the last five, six years, it's changed dramatically. Um, I would say that your recruiting years actually start when you're 13. Okay. And they start moving 14, 15, and then six, And 17 is like you are in the heat of it. So um, if you're a a 13-year-old right now in the country, you probably need to start thinking in that direction. Not necessarily providing a lot of actions, action steps, but you need to start thinking in that direction.
0: Okay. And for, for those in our audience where they have athletes or they are athletes that are 14 and 15 and haven't really got started, is there time to catch up?
1: Yeah. They're not behind by any okay. means. Okay. They're, they're, they're not. They're not. So I don't want anyone to be freaking out like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm 15 years old. and I haven't done anything. Each person's recruiting timeline is completely different. Um, but if you are a person that aspires to go to a Clemson or a Vanderbilt um, or an SEC school, um, you need to be, start thinking early. Now, again, if you're 15 year old, 15 years old, you're not late. I've seen uh, major universities pick up seniors um, at the last second just because of the draft or uh, something didn't work out with grades. So um, when, you're, when you're 13 to 18, you're in the heat of it and you're in the middle of it. So just keep working hard, keep getting uh, training, and then obviously market yourself and promote yourself, which we're going to talk about here shortly.
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and we're going to transition in why we're really here today. And I came across a slide share that you had shared on one of your social media. I think it uh, was in LinkedIn. And the title of it was How to Create a Professional Recruiting Video in Under $35. And the, our, our company, that's what we do, is, is we do the final production. We use other people's content, they send it to us, and then we do, we do the final production of recruitment videos and just general highlight videos for the younger kids, uh, for, for parents that w- want to have memories and everything like that. But I, I went through the SlideShare. And I think it was a total of 40, 47 pages. And it was just content and gold for anyone looking to um, uh, want to create their own video because you can do it on your own. Everyone's got an HD camera in their hand at all times right now. And it, it was great. And then I reached out to you. So I want to touch base. Uh, to, you know, I have a few questions on recruitment videos. Um, so I'll, I'll start with one for baseball players and athletes in in general is a, is a recruitment video really important? Yes.
1: Um, it is, it is important. Um, and it's becoming more important with how budgets are with how budgets are being allocated for those universities. So, um, Back in the day, um, back in my day, I feel like I'm <laughs> my dad right now, um, you would you would play on a Legion team, or you'd play on a local team, and then uh, you would hope that a scout came to you. And then recruiting videos were starting to come about, like you'd start using it every once in a while, like you would say, all right, I'm going to film this and then send it out. No one really knew if, they, if the coaches actually looked at them. Um, But as time went on and as technology grew, it's becoming easier and easier and easier to film yourself. And so um, a lot of college coaches, I would say about five years ago, a lot of them were watching recruiting videos, but there wasn't really something that was intangible with it, Um, but they still watched them. So as it's gone gone through the recruiting process um, the, the video has gotten more important but what's even more important with those videos is that you have numbers attached to them which um, I didn't explain in the slide share I just wanted to get the get the get it started because a lot of people think that they're not capable of creating a recruiting video on their own they think that they need an outside third party source to really make them look good but coaches don't really care if if the video quality is perfect they literally just want to see your actions on camera and then it's an open door for them so if they like what they see on the film then they're going to go to the what's now recruiting travel teams travel tournaments um, the major tournament that we always go to uh, the facilities grand park that's literally the Mecca right now for um, travel high school baseball.
0: So the, the video, what I'm hearing you say is, is the video is extremely important, but it's not the end-all be-all. It's, it's the actual getting your foot in the door with these re, uh, recruiters and the, and the coaches.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's just an opening line, opening statement. Again, understand that they're getting bombarded with emails constantly. So everyone, and this is kind of where I wanted to really hit on, is that everyone's focused in on email. But no one's really focusing in on Twitter. Football and basketball has figured it out. The kids on, on the football and basketball space have really figured it out. But for baseball, for whatever reason, um, they haven't really accessed the access Twitter because the whole baseball community is on Twitter. And if you have a 30-second or a 40-second clip and then you end up posting it and then you have a club, a club team that you're associated with that has a social following – that's an access to coaches because coaches are following those club baseball
0: accounts. Okay. That's great information. I, I'm, I'm excited to hear about that and, and something that I know our audience uh, can get a lot out of and, and be able to connect uh, with the baseball community and knowing that they're on Twitter and and that's, that's huge.
1: Well, and and here's, and here's an example, PJ, is that um, one of our, our, we've, we really went all in on this this year and one of our coaches ended up filming one of our players um, just hitting and pitching, and the video got 4,000, 5,000 views, and we ended, ended up getting a lot of DMs from college coaches saying, hey, who's this kid? What's his name? What's his background? And that ended up opening the door. Now, again, that's not for every player, but what are the chances of that actually happening if he just did it on his own and just sent an email out? Most likely, zero to nil.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, what what's the difference between a highlight video and a recruitment video? Is there a, is there a clear distinction?
1: There is a clear distinction. So, a highlight video is going to be like music. Um, you're going to have nice, clean edits. It's literally everything from um, like home runs, triples, home like just anything you can think of that's like awesome. Yeah. And it gets you just jacked up. Like you can see it on YouTube. Just type in like New York Yankees highlight video. Right. And you'll get people like just crushing home runs left and right. Or any right. Judge just putting that a display.
0: Right. It creates the hype.
1: Yeah. But the recruitment video is, you don't want it to be super polished. If, if it's super polished, that's a huge red flag for me as a recruiter. Um, and and I, don't, I don't want that. I want to see the unpolished stuff. I, wanna, I don't I don't want to see you hitting a whole bunch of home runs. It's nice, but again, your stats and metrics should back that up. I want to see what it looks like on an everyday basis, what's actually happening. So um, I'm actually big on live right now. I think live is a, is a great avenue for kids. If you're able to record a live video at bat, um, you can actually send that out. And college coaches would probably enjoy watching that. Just to see if, they, if you're on their radar, they'd probably enjoy watching to see that.
0: Now, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about creating a recruitment video? Um,
1: it has to look fancy. <laughs> right. uh, and it has to be five minutes, 10 minutes. It, I mean, a recruitment video, in, in my aspect is it could be 10 seconds.' They're really good. I and mean, then you just send out a whole bunch of them. Um, but again, if, you have, if you're trying to get the attention of a, of a certain college coach, you can actually take in, Um, 10, 12 different clips and then mesh them together and then send it out and the college coach would enjoy watching those.
0: Spiker, the process that you developed in in the slide share is very similar to how we coach our clients. The only difference is that we actually do the final production of it and and put it together. And, and, uh, but everything else was just like, I when I talked to you previously, it was gold. It was, this is it. This is great information that we want to get out uh, to our clients and just to our audience. So let's discuss your four-step process that you had in that um, in that slide share, and, and for those listening, we're also going to put this on our website. We'll put it on our blog. We'll put it in the show notes as well. So uh, the, the four step process uh, that you mentioned was step one was plan, step two film, step three was edit, and step four was uh, distribute. Okay, so let's start with plan. Why don't you just give us an a overview of the the step one planning process?
1: So. The plan what you need is you need to, you need to understand what, what tools you have at your disposal. So everyone has a smartphone. Everyone thinks that they need a DSLR or a mirrorless camera. If I if I lost you in between those two those two different phrases, don't worry, because you don't need to know, you don't need to know what those are. Um, just know that they're high performing cameras. But what you have in your pocket is a 4K camera. So if you have the newest iPhone, you have a 4K camera at your disposal. And so when you have that, just get a tripod. And you plan out your shots. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to a field and then I'm going to say, all right, I need to get my fielding. I need to get my pitching. I need to get my hitting. Um, if you're another sport, obviously um, figure out what the key things that a coach wants to see and then end up shooting those shots. Um, and uh, the, the best part about it is if you have a bad shot, don't worry about it because you can just reshoot that shot again coaches don't want the polished product they want to see what you are that day so don't worry about making mistakes just get the shot done and as you start planning just know and I, I, i give you tools on okay um get the tripod get the iphone this is how you shoot it you want to make sure that you're using um the uh third principle and making sure that you're getting your person in line with that camera so many times people think i need to be super close or super far away I want to be right in the middle.
0: The title of your slide share was to do it in under $35. So the $35 sure. is the tripod, correct?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. And you can uh, the beautiful part is you got Amazon. So. Right. right,
0: <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So step two is film. So, and you, you started to touch on this on the the thirds principle, but uh, can you just give us an overview of the filming step?
1: So filming step is, um, it's pretty simple. Um, obviously plan out your shots. But then from there, um, and I give you key things that a, a typical videographer or photographer knows the basics. And I want to make sure that I'm keeping my my object in frame. I make sure that um, it's staying in line. I don't want it to be off screen or above. I want to make sure that I get the whole picture, but not too far away so I can see the actions. Um, and there's a step by step basis in that actual packet of like what it actually looks like. It's really hard to describe um, as we're just, it's just for, bur- we're just using our words right now, but I really challenge people to really look at that slide because I, I explain it pretty simple in layman's terms without boring you with the technical um, filming language.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm looking at it now on the slide share and there's, there's so much uh, technical information and there's details and the, the photographs as well. Um, and and the graphics in the slide share are very helpful. So I would encourage anyone in our audience to make sure you go and take a look at this. Um, You'll just go to our show notes and it'll be there. Okay. So the next part, Spiker, uh, in your four step process was edit. So can you give us just a brief overview on the, the editing?
1: Um, The editing is pretty simple. So this is the best part about the whole $35 is that we're just using a tripod. So, um and you don't even need a tripod. It was just one of those things where it made it sound sound sexier. Um, sending it out when it said thirty five dollars because you want to you actually want to click on it and look at it. But you could just do it handheld. So if you're doing a handheld, just make sure that you're still as you're shooting it and make sure that you're using a hor. I'm going back to the film section, but make sure that you're using it horizontally and not vertically. But um, for every computer um, in the U.S. sold. There is editing software on your on your system right now and it's very bare bones editing system But it works. So all you need to know is to know how to drop the files into the software And once you drop the files into the software, then you just start placing them on a timeline And if anyone doesn't know what a timeline is, um, it's literally how it sounds It is um, a length of time and you have clips that are on that length of time. So it's almost like a strip And then on that strip, you're going to say your video is 20 seconds. Well, I'm going to cut cut out all the dead space. So anytime they said, um, all right, start, or, okay, we finished, cut. You just cut that stuff out and then just put the action items that are in that film. So if they're running, you just cut it to where they started the running point and then they ended the running point. Um, If they've thrown a pitch, you cut out all the dead space in between pitches
0: like I previously mentioned that that's what we do and and we have a little more advanced system. We use Premiere pro and, uh, that's our bread and butter. Um, but you're right. Anyone can do it if they really wanted to, you know, put in the time to learn how to use it. And it's, it's very, very easy. So great information on the editing piece. So
1: I'd say this, I'd say this for the editing, that's going to probably be your biggest time consumer. It's going to be the edit, the filming and the planning, And the distributing, uh, distributing is probably up there because there's so many places you can distribute your video. But um, if you're talking about the edit, that's where that's where a lot of people um, become useful is on the edit. Like like here at the Tigers, the stuff that we do, I edit everything on my own. But we're actually looking for someone who wants to be a creator and wants to edit. So it's, it's that time consuming.
0: Right. And and here's the thing, you know, the, the title of, of, of this slide share was under $35 for the tripod and, and actually you don't, you don't need it. But here's the thing, like I can do that one minute video and we actually, one of our short social media videos is under a minute video and we do the editing for them in $49. So all in all, with a video editor, with your process at $35, mine at $50, they're still under 100 bucks. And, uh, you know, to, to find a service like that. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. It is one of the most difficult, one of the, or not not one of the most difficult, one of the most time consuming, like you said. The other thing that we found to be super time consuming, especially if like a parent is, which is how we started, was collecting footage over a season is actually getting home and organizing that footage. Uh, if you have so much and learning how to do that. And we have some processes for for that as well. So those are definitely time consuming. Okay. So, another, thing, another thing
1: that a lot of people aren't considering is that, um, which I don't want to, I don't want to tear someone that is a do it yourself person because that that's what that's, that's what that uh, slide share was for is for the DYI person. Right. And one thing that you have to consider, if you are going to do it down this path where you want to do it all on your own, you're going to have to consider your processor that's in your computer and you have to, you have to consider the graphics card. If no one knows what that is, I'll keep it super simple. If you have a model that has an i5 processor, which you can figure out, which is on your computer, it's going to make it super slow. So you're going to be, it's going to take even more time. Where I have an Apple computer, um, Apple is really known for creators. I can buzz through and edit um, a lot faster than someone that has a consumer-grade product.
0: Right. And and, and one uh, another tip for anyone that is a do-it-yourself person as far as the processing and the computer, that that's great advice. The thing that we found over time was, because we started out as a 100% novice, just a dad doing videos. And I was doing, even when I started the business, was still doing everything on my laptop, but it was killing me. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I talked to some of our uh, IT guys uh, that I know in, in my network, and they said- mm-hmm. To simplify it as much as possible, if you're not going to go, you know, with an Apple product, go and talk to someone at Best Buy and get a gamer um, computer, one that they use for gaming, because that has the processor. And that's exactly what I did and how I started is I got all those specs and uh, of a gaming machine and I actually purchased a gaming machine and it helped out so much.
1: Ends up buzzing through that edit for like it goes from like thirty minutes to like ten.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's it's crazy yeah. the the difference that it makes. So, okay, so let let's move on to uh, the final step in your four step process, and that's the distribution. And you, you kind of touched on it, and w- how we do it is uh, with our system and our company is we we put all of our athletes, all of our clients' videos. We create a playlist for them on our YouTube page, and then they have their YouTube uh, links that they could just send out. Um, and, uh, I know you touch on that. So why don't you go over your process and just an overview of the dis- distribution?
1: So since the actual slide share that I've, I, I made this back in the fall and, um, the thing that has changed and evolved is my, my bullish opinion on Twitter right now. And uh, each community is different, but for baseball in particular is that Twitter is probably the best distribution channel for any player because the whole community is on there. And if you've never been on Twitter, it's basically like a cocktail party. Everyone comes into the platform and you talk about certain events. Um, now for the baseball community, we, we obviously with the whole Astros scandal and um, what was going on with that, and obviously spring training's ramping up, there's a lot of conversations that are happening amongst, uh, amongst coaches. But more importantly, when the recruiting stuff starts happening, that's when a lot of college coaches are talking a lot um, and they're communicating with one another. So my biggest thought for someone that is trying to get the attention is distribu- figuring out what your distribution is, where people's attentions are, and then end up distributing it in those realms. Obviously, email because it goes straight to their phone. But if you're looking at different social platforms, I would, I would start figuring out, okay, where are the conversations being had? um, for my, my sport.
0: So I've got a quick question on that. So let's, let's take Twitter, for instance, do you recommend that the athletes, even if they don't have a relationship yet with a coach, with a recruiter, would you recommend that they send it to them in a DM? Is it okay to tag them?
1: Um, and this is where, this is where it becomes super important to be part of a club um, and a lot of clubs don't realize this yet, but they will. Is that um, they have social proof, which the college coaches already trust those clubs for players. Um, we get okay. um, we coaches reach out to us a lot on players, and whenever they see our name in a tournament, um, they they know okay, this is a team that we probably need to go take a glance at, and then make a decision on whether we need to stay or um, go on to the next game. And I think it's going to go into Twitter and social media is that they're going to, if we send out a tweet, if Dave, if Dave Berkey who's our general manager sends out a tweet, or if I send out a tweet, um, a college coach is going to stop and listen because they know that they deal with us on an everyday basis. So there's probably some validation behind that player. So again, it's not for not everyone's going to get that, that retweet or that posting from a club. You have to be recruitable. That's the, biggest thing. You have to be recruitable. Um, if you're not recruitable, you're not going to get that video shared. So um, for us, when we send out, we're going to get the attention because the coaches know, oh, this kid's probably a recruitable kid. I need to learn more about him. I need to circle his name and go see him in a game.
0: What advice would you give to a recruitable athlete? However, he does not yet or or isn't connected to a a club team that's as prominent as the Rawlings Tigers, maybe an un, unknown team, uh, what, what piece of advice would you give to that athlete?
1: It's, it's going to be a tougher road. I'm going to be honest. It's going to be a tougher road. Um, just because of the scale, the, the national scale of tournaments and how college coaches, it's just branding. It's basic branding. Okay, But there, you are able to get recruited. Trust me, you are able to get recruited. Um, here, here's an example. I'll give you a quick story. So um, we had a player named Jack Sweeney. Um, His dad coached a team um, called the Shockers, and we played them constantly, and they beat us. I I think I probably won one game against those guys. But his son was very, very good, very, very good, but he wasn't getting recruited at all, zero. (laughs) Um, Our guys were. And what happened was he ended up making the switch his junior year, and now he's at Western Kentucky. So that can just show you how the switch going to a club can change for your recruiting timeline as that it can end up like, again, Jack probably would have gotten places. He probably would have gone to a university because he's a really, really good player, but he ended up getting a lot of offers. And a lot of people started noticing him more just because he was associated with a branded club. Now, if you are not with a brand club and you just have a sour taste for club baseball, um, what I would recommend is that you kind of have to go to showcases that um, offer metrics and offer video, and um, you can film yourself and get those metrics. Now, if you don't have the money to go to showcases, then what you need to do is you need to get your metrics from either using this I'm copying baseball world, Blast Motion, Rap Soto, Hit Tracks, Flight Scope, using some some type of technology to get your numbers, so you know what those are, and then film yourself. With an iPhone and use the um, packet that I sent out is I need to edit, get my video, get it all together, get my metrics, and then send that out to um, college coaches through email.
0: Um, so for, for that athlete that may not be connected yet, and so between Twitter, would email be more effective then for that particular athlete yeah. than, than No.
1: Okay, email is still king. Okay. Um, email is still king. It's not not like I'm saying that Twitter is the end all be all, but it is it is something that's very that popping right now. Um, but email is absolute king and still will be king. I don't think we'll ever get away from that. Um, the only thing that would change is uh, text messaging. Text messaging is huge. But again, that's between the college coach and the club or okay. the college coach and the coach.
0: Okay, perfect. So, so to recap for everyone, the, the four-step process, and again, I want to encourage everyone in our audience to go look at this slide share, um, uh, and we'll have that in the show notes. Uh, the four-step process to recap is step one, to plan, step two, film. Step three edit and step four uh, distribute. So uh, that's the four step process. I have a couple more questions on on, on video Spiker. Uh, let, let's talk about game versus training footage for your recruitment video. Uh, what do you uh, recommend? Does it include both, one or the other?
1: I recommend both, and it's documentation. So you're basically documenting your how you're going through, life and how you're actually training and then also um with game if you're not a person that's in the whole YouTube space it's blogging i don't recommend that type of stuff but i just recommend like any time that you're hitting or pitching or what have you in another sport i'm shooting your basketball whatever if you grab that footage you don't know when that's going to actually happen where you end up popping off the 94 or the um the home run or the grand slam. Or something where you do something right on the base path. You don't know when you're going to actually do that. If you have a camera rolling constantly, then you can end up using that footage and sending it out.
0: That's great and that's what I tell a lot of our clients is document everything. Go through it later on and anything that's not good then you can discard it but document everything cuz you never know when that moment's going to happen that that's one one for memories but two on the recruitment process you're right it, you never know when that that moment it's just going to click and you've captured it and you have documentation.
1: And I don't want to I don't want to shy away from it. it. It is it is hard and it's hard work but again I always say this is, um, if it's hard work, then it's, it's something that you really want, you're going to do it. If I want to go to college and I want to play, I've got to do these things. Now, again, if I'm a talented person that's six foot five and throw 94, obviously you're not going to have to do this. But majority of people um, that the stories that you don't hear, they are the people that have to do that. I was one of those guys. Um, If you see that, if you, if you look at um, the rankings right now, players um, in baseball, the top 60, those guys don't need to do this. And again, those are only 60 players. How many schools are out there in the United States? Those coaches are trying to find players and they're, they're accessing their networks. They're using their email. They're using all the tools that you have at your disposal that you do for your work or for your business or for your school. They're doing the same exact things. They're using the same exact tools. All you need to do is try to get in front of them and get their eyeballs.
0: So uh, for game footage, is there a particular angle that you would recommend, uh, like when you're batting that you get from? Because I know a lot of the, during games, a lot of the footage we're able to capture is directly behind home plate, but is that the most effective that you want to catch or does it really matter for game footage?
1: I don't, personally, I don't think straight behind is a great, great piece like it, it yeah i'll show where the ball goes and everything like that but again the coach is trying to see all right how's this timing how fast twitch is he um i need to see a side view for that um and what type of pitch was it so i always go towards at an angle in a 45 degree line and try to get the batter and the pitcher in in the same frame because then i can actually show there's a lot there's a lot of pros to that is that I can show what my mechanics look like, I can show how fast twitched I am, I can show what my barrel path is, and um, I can show where the ball ended up going. And I can see myself running around the bases too. If I go straight behind, I don't have a really good angle of all of the mechanics, the ball flight, um, and the plane and I and you can see somewhat of them running but only until they get around first base
0: so I we touched on a few things uh, you had sent us our questionnaire our pre-interview questionnaire and I want to touch on the the three three things you mentioned there uh, one of them was that athletes need to understand the importance of metrics uh, or as we like to say Uh, in my business, the numbers don't lie, because that's the name of our business. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, uh, can you tell us about um, understanding the importance of metrics and just your overview, um, you know, from your perspective of how important that is?
1: Yeah, this kind of goes back to my economics roots, is that uh, numbers is the universal language. Um, There's no opinions in numbers. Rarely, uh, unless you're skewing the numbers, but that's going to get found out anyways. So, um i can see a world where um a head coach of a division 1 school ends up texting me and say hey do you have these numbers um has anyone matched any of these numbers i'm like oh yeah this kid did he's like oh i'm going to offer him 60% i can definitely see that day coming um and he'll just probably need to see some footage some video and then um if he's still uncertain he might come out one time and see him and then he's going to give him the offer um so it's, this is the greatest time for an athlete ever because technology has made it to where um, the, the, bud, the recruiting budgets can be saved as well as time can be saved. Cause um, a lot of people don't understand that college coaches, they are at the ballpark when they're at a tournament, at Grand park, they're there for the entire day. They're eating hot dogs. They're um, drinking on soda. They're trying to see as many players as they possibly can. Now, if I can get rid of that, that's gonna be a lot easier for me as a recruiter. So all so the numbers, the numbers don't lie, just like how your, how your company says it they, they don't lie. So if you if you throw 90 and you have a and you have a hundred percent spin efficiency rate, plus you have a curveball that is 80% spin efficient like that's a good open door to really see who you actually are and I am going to spend some more time with you. I want to know more about you. If you have an exit below, if you're averaging an exit below and this is for a hitter, if I'm an exit below and I'm hitting 93 consistently, I want to see you. I want to see what's going on. What what it how, what's your ball flight like? How what, what are your numbers there for a Rap Soto? What's your ball average ball flight? Those are big, big time numbers that have eliminated a lot of the guesswork when it's coming to recruiting.
0: Yeah, that's great information. Now, now can you, you touched on a few of them. Can you uh, tell us what are the, the maybe top three or four metrics that you would recommend that uh, athletes are capturing and and documenting?
1: Um, Your barrel speed. So if we're talking just baseball, again, other sports are going to be completely different. Um, But if we're just talking baseball, um blast motion and diamond kinetics, we're, we're with team blast right now. So we use blast motion um, to capture our pre-contact data. So there's two types of data. You have pre-contact and then you have um, after contact, post-contact. So let's talk about pre-contact first. So pre-contact is um, your barrel speed, your rotation speed, your peak hand speed, your plane of the barrel, the numbers that you need to worry about on that end um is and this is all opinion based for me. So another um, guy could say something, oh, I look at plane more, or I look at peak hand speed more. I think the the num- the top three are barrel speed, rotation speed, and peak hand speed. And here's why is that barrel hand speed is gonna tell me how athletic you are, how fast you are, um, how fast is that barrel coming through the zone. Your rotation and your peak hand speed are gonna tell me again how athletic you are, but those two numbers are going to tell me if you're sequenced correctly, if, if your mechanics are sequenced out correct, so that, that I'll know, okay, do, is this going to be a project guy or is this a guy that's a plug and play type of guy? So if those numbers are pretty consistent, then I can know, like, he's probably going to be a dude for me. He's probably going to be a guy that comes in and he's going to, he's going to start either sophomore, junior year, um, could possibly do freshman year, depending on what the numbers look like
0: okay and and how does one capture those numbers now you mentioned blast motion uh would they go into a facility that has that uh, technology and be able to get their numbers
1: um so facilities are not handing out blast motion sensors um yet i don't see a day that happening because blast motion and dynamic kinetic type of sensors are very cheap um relatively speaking so a blast motion sensor um I think on the market right now it's 200 bucks um, I, I, I have to take a look at it I don't know those numbers offhand so don't quote, quote me on it but I can get that sensor and I would actually own that sensor like okay. that's probably one of the best best investments you can make is have a blast motion sensor that's capturing your data throughout and you can use those sensors in game and in training as well so that's what's great about it, is that I can end up going into the cloud and end up separating those numbers out and saying, all right, this was training, this was in game, why is my training numbers here and why is my end game here? Because that's what matters is the end game. If I can get the in-game numbers really good, then that's when scouts are gonna be like, okay, what's his end-game barrel speed? What's his end game peak hand speed or rotation speed?
0: You just you just touched on it a few minutes ago was this is the greatest time to be seen if athletes wanna pursue a higher level. Uh, they have all the marketing tools at their disposal. So can you speak a little bit more to that, especially being a marketing guy and a content guy? Um, just, just talk about that.
1: Well, if you talk about just being able to pay for stuff, um, we're, we're in a very good situation with being almost practically free. Um, being an economics guy, there's no such thing as a free lunch, but it's almost getting there. <laughs> it's almost to that point. But you have a phone in your pocket. Um, blast Motion Sensor your, that you could easily purchase online and probably one of the best investments. Um, you have a computer. Everyone uh, usually has a computer. Um, I shouldn't say everyone, but most people have, have a computer where they can access editing tools. And you could end up sending that that information out through email, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Um, I mean, there are so many different platforms that you can distribute who you are and tell people, this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, These are my skills. And people, if you're, if you're good enough, they'll notice and they'll end up contacting you. I'll I'll add, I'll add into that. So a lot of people don't know what the past is because there's a lot, there's a lot of parents out there that didn't have a sports background. Um, which is perfectly all right. And that's kind of where we come into play too, is that the club, um, they, they trust the club on giving them sound advice. So um, people that are not a part of the Tigers, here's the best best advice I can give you is that uh, make sure that you document everything um, and you're able to get your metrics. But, and previously before it was very, very hard to be seen. You It was the right timing. You had to have the right skills um, and, the the chances of you getting in front of a scout was very, very minimal, (laughs) very minimal. I mean, I I lived, I live in a small town in um, Missouri. My high school was 600 kids. All right. And for a scout to come into middle Missouri, you were asking a lot from them to do that. And now you have club baseball and you have a phone in your pocket there are no excuses. If you want to try to play college baseball, there really isn't. I mean, you you have, you have a really good opportunity and, and you'll, you'll get a, you're going an to answer right away. Oh, you're just not good enough yet. Which is nothing wrong with that. Right. Then you can always, you can always work from that. Right. So I, they, they tell me, all right, Spiker, you're not good enough yet. I didn't get that answer until I was senior in my senior season. I contacted all these people and no one told me if I was good enough until senior year. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to junior college. And then that's when I figured out, oh, I need to do this to get better. This is the work ethic that I have to have. And I end up going to a Missouri state. But if I would have known that my freshman year of high school, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. I would have saved so much time,
0: right? so much right. time. Absolutely. So you mentioned also that playing sports, and th- this is a philosophy of the Rawlings Tigers, I believe, but playing sports is not about becoming a professional or playing in college. It's about enjoying your pastime and learning how to compete, win, and overcoming your failures. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so um, club, club baseball, obviously we're trying to help players get to college baseball and professional baseball, but I don't, I don't see it as that's like the end-all be-all yes, I'm helping you. I'm servicing you. I'm trying to make sure that you have the best opportunity possible um, in front of college coaches and that you're able to able to get that chance. But at the end of the day, my, my youth program, I love the youth program because um, it's, it's bare bones. It's literally back to the roots where how the game was supposed to be played. Like Babe Ruth, uh, I love this quote from Babe Ruth. I, I, it's going to be paraphrased right here. But um, I, I want to make sure that every kid has a bat and ball in their hand. Because this is the greatest game to that you'll ever play, and that's kind of how I approach club baseball. Is that, yeah, if you want to play college baseball and you want to play professional baseball, yes, we're in a different context now. We're in a different conversation. Um, now that I know that you've graduated and you want to do this, that, that's perfectly, perfectly fine. But you have to understand here. Here's the criteria. This is what you have to do. This is the expectation. And if you really want to pursue this, this is this is the time commitment. But again, I'm not going to hate you if you don't do that. Like again my biggest thing is I make sure to learn life lessons from this because um, so many people now don't know how to in the real world. And this is, this is what that game is teaching you. It's teaching you how to compete and how to actually fail and overcome those failures. Um, here, Here's an example. So this, is, this is a story from, from my wife. She, she works um, and trying to place people in, in different types of jobs. She had a college graduate that came out of college and um, he said, like she got him a job, and he said, "I'm not going to take it." He's like, "Well, why aren't you going to take it?" He's like, "Well, all my friends have $60,000 incomes. I want to make sure that I have $60,000 incomes." She's like, "But this is an opportunity." He's like, I, "I'm going to pass on that." It's that type of mentality that really gets me excited because um, I can keep someone that take every opportunity you possibly can because you never know where that's going to lead you. Don't 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 choose something because it's it's in, you think it's inopportunist.ic Everything's an opportunity, and this game really teaches that. So if if I'm if I get just if I went 0 for three and then I struck out, I punched out on my last at bat with a guy on third, a lot of people would say, "Oh, he failed. He failed." But what's going to happen if he learns from that situation? What's going to happen the next day? That's a huge thing. It's that huge jump. It's that it's that difference between knowing how to deal with an 0 and 2 at bat, uh, 0 and 2 day, and then end up changing it around on the next day. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. And I think that's where, um, with club baseball and just where sports are now, that is a huge catalyst for building people to be great human beings. And you won't have that where I come out of college and say, I'm not going to take this job because it's not in my realm of $60,000. And I'm, I'm not, I don't think it's a great opportunity. Well, it could it, what happens if you would end up taking that job? And then it ends up getting you the hundred thousand dollar opportunity. You just forego, because you're waiting for sixty thousand dollars.
0: Right. No, that and means- I
1: think that I think the game does a great job at teaching teaching people how to deal with that.
0: Absolutely. And I'm a huge baseball guy, and that's how we started. That's where my passion is too. And and uh, the, it, I, I agree. It teaches so many life lessons, and uh, I appreciate everything you guys are doing with the Rawlings Tigers, and. All the value you've been provided uh, so far uh, in this podcast, and we're about ready to wrap it up. So I'm going to move into our rapid fire final four.
1: Right, go for it. All
0: right, Spiker, what's your one big goal for the Rawlings Tiger Tigers organization this year?
1: Um, I would love to paint the whole nation orange. Um, I just think that we have a great a great service that we're able to provide people. Um, I think that coaches get a lot of value. Um when we streamline it on the back end of things, and so um, I, I I would love to I'd love to get more more coaches that are like-minded like us um, and more directors who want to build a program and help help kids really learn life lessons. Um, I would really love for them to uh, jump on board with us.
0: Okay, perfect. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received from a coach, parent, or mentor?
1: Oh gosh, there's, there's been so many. Um, I hate, I hate doing the cliche. Oh, there's been so many. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it comes down to this and again, it's coming after a, a cliche. I hate doing cliches, but it, it's so true is that, um, our, the, the question I always got from my dad was, are you having fun? And and I always thought that was just a weird question when I was little. I was like, yeah, of course I'm having fun. I'm playing baseball. But it, it, it prepared me for when I started getting into the real world, which helped me get out of finance because my dad would ask me, hey, are you having fun? And I'd always point back to it like, am I having fun? Am I really doing what I like, love doing? And if the answer is the no, then I need to stop and revert and try to figure out, okay, what's my next step? What's my next stepping stone? And if I'm having fun, yeah, I'm having fun. Let's do some more of this. Let's figure out what I need to do.
0: Now, Spiker, who's your favorite athlete and why?
1: Favorite athlete of all time? Oh, gosh. Um, can I have three? Sorry. Can I have Absolutely. Three? Okay. So I always wanted to be a switch hitter. So I wanted to be like Mickey Mantle. I, I love Mickey Mantle. Never seen him play. Obviously, he, his career was done when when um, I was born. Um, but. I, love, I loved his mentality towards hitting, and I loved how, how he approached um, the game. Um, I didn't agree with everything. in off-field antics, but um, I agreed with how he approached the game, which was it was all about fun. I need to play, play it the right way. Um, secondly is Muhammad Ali. I really love Muhammad Ali. He was very polarizing, um, and he believed in himself before anyone else believed in him. Now, I'm going to go even more controversial, which a lot of people don't like this person, but how he approaches um, his craft and how he approaches um, the game is Conor McGregor of uh, the MMA. And he's very, very, if, if, if you can get past all of his antics off the, off, the, off the ring and how he promotes himself, if you get past that, if you look at the, what he actually does in his action items, you'll see that he's a very, very, very smart individual and in how he approaches business and how he approaches um, when he approaches a fight and how he faces someone. Um, everyone thinks that he's a showman, which he definitely is. But when you see him fight and he loses, watch what happens when he loses. If you can go on, Google, uh, go on YouTube and actually search it, um, you'll see that um, he is very humble. Um, and he... Still celebrates his losses because that's the that's the greatest time for you to learn, and I, I try to tell my players that um, I don't I, that you need to understand that losses are just a catapult that you're you're going to be reaching you're going to be reaching um, higher levels on every loss. Just don't let it don't let it get into get you into a hole and dig yourself into a black hole.
0: That's a great answer. I'm really glad that you chose three. So uh, yeah, thank you yeah. for that. Okay. Yeah. Final question. Uh, where can people follow you and follow the Rawlings Tigers and keep up with the amazing work that you guys are doing?
1: Yeah, definitely. So if you go to our website, rawlingstigers.com, um, you can see what we're, what we're up to right now. Um, but if you want to, if you're on the social spaces, obviously a lot of people are. Um, if you go to Instagram at Rawlings Tigers, Facebook um, at Rawlings Tigers, and then um, Twitter, uh, for some reason, I don't know why we did this, but our Twitter handle is at Rawlings underscore tigers. <laughs> Tell me how, what were we thinking on that on that point? I don't I have no idea. It was probably like right when Twitter was just popping. Right. And we were like, all right, let's just do underscores because like people are going to search Rawlings space tigers. I have no idea why we, why we thought about that, but that's, <laughs> that's what we did. So.
0: Okay, perfect. And even though that one's a little complicated, we'll put it all in the show notes as well for everyone. Okay, so,
1: perfect.
0: so with that, we're all done. And I just want to say, thank you very much, Spiker. It's, it's been a great conversation, uh, so much value and I I'm looking forward to putting the final pieces together and, and getting this out. All
1: right. Thanks PJ. I
0: appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a fun time. All right. Absolutely. Thank you. You have a great day. All right. You too. Okay. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of highlighting the best of youth sports. Be sure and subscribe, and please help us reach more people by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you or someone you know are interested in learning more about Numbers Don't Lie and what we do, what programs and services we offer for athletes, and how to get your athlete involved, be sure to visit numbersdontlie.biz. Until our next episode, go out and win the day and never miss your opportunity to be great. Thanks for listening to Highlighting the Best of Youth Sports.